Welcome to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez, the podcast that offers practical advice and tips on how to run and grow your small business. The How of Business helps aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners achieve their definition of success and overcome challenges that get in their way. This podcast series focuses on the everyday common business issues, challenges, and opportunities that face the small business owner. So here now are your hosts of The How of Business, David and Henry. Welcome to another episode of The How of Business with David and Henry. Henry, good evening. How are you? I'm doing great. Good. I'm enjoying a Diet Coke, which I'm trying to wean myself self off of, but um, I figured I'll enjoy one tonight while we record this podcast. So any New Year's resolutions you want to share with the group? <laughs> uh, drink less Diet Coke. Uh, no, you know, I'm not big on um, necessarily New Year's resolutions, although there's always the get more fit, that kind of thing, but it's... Um, no, no, nothing in particular. How about yourself? I don't do New Year's resolutions anymore. Uh, I, okay. Yeah, I think uh, I think you and I are probably more in the personal growth arena, mm-hmm. like probably mm-hmm. a lot of our listeners are, and it's something I work on all year round. So I, I re- kind of review the year and lay out what I think I want to do in 2016 mentally, but I typically don't do New Year's resolutions because most of them are probably ongoing pursuits I have anyway. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's a good idea. It's interesting. Now, I do have goals, uh, business goals, and uh, we will do some planning for for the upcoming year. But they're, like you alluded to, they're loose goals, and they can change, and we're okay with that. Right. Um, and so that's that's more what I what I prefer to do. Yeah, and I, I would, if I were a mentor someone, I would say kind of avoid the New Year's resolutions. You should be doing mm-hmm. goals and plans and on an ongoing basis throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, this episode has nothing to do with that. True. <laughs> true. This, well, it's this close. Episode, you want to be your own boss. This is true. That's your ah, goal. Good point. 2016. Good segue. good segue. Love that. So this episode, to that point, is about that transition, that question that both David and I had when we were working in the corporate environment of, uh, am I ready to be my own boss? So this episode is really targeted at those listeners who are still in the corporate world, thinking about making the transition, are thinking, have been thinking about it maybe for some time, or asking yourself that question. You think you might want to do this, but you're not sure. You have questions. You don't know about the risk. So this episode is for you. It won't be the only episode that we record on this topic, but this will get this conversation started and we'll share some of our ideas, some of what we went through and our stories as to how we got there, because we were not born entrepreneurs. Uh, we took the corporate route initially in our careers and then transitioned into becoming our own boss. So that's the topic for tonight. Good. Yeah. So we're going to start off with uh, how we transitioned from corporate America to being our own boss. Yeah. I'd like to start with a, with a story, one of many. Uh, so for me, Certainly that motivation, as we shared in the initial episode when we introduced ourselves, that motivation was always there for me, but I didn't know how to get there. I didn't know how to get the opportunity to to become an entrepreneur. It was always a desire, but uh, then I was very fortunate to go into and end up in a career in sales in the high-tech software industry where I was making very good money, certainly for compared to what I was making previous. So I was very fortunate in that regard, was 
had really early success and then continued success. But even throughout that, there were moments in particular. And one I recall uh, very vividly is I was at a software company where I had done very well. In fact, myself and the the chief uh, or the primary sales guy that I worked with, we were a team. We were named number one uh, team, number one sales and pre-sales person that year and had a phenomenal year. I worked very hard, traveled all over the country to to get to that level because you know how it is. You got to touch enough deals. You got to work enough opportunities. Right. I'd worked extremely hard. Uh, but we were at the point, both uh, my friend Mark is who I'm referring to and myself were at the point where we were ready to move on to another opportunity that would compensate us more. And I remember when I turned in my resignation, uh, one of the owners of the company who happened to office out of my same office called me a great person. And I, I really had a lot of respect for him. And at that point, all of a the sudden they were offering me a significant increase in salary, a promotion in position, a whole different pay scale, significantly greater money. And I thought to myself, well, where was that a year ago or two years now or three years that I've been working extremely hard delivering for this company? And it it really began to crystallize for me that regardless of how well I might be compensated, I'm always at the mercy of somebody else setting a ceiling for me someone else determining my value. And that really helped to start to crystallize that in my head, that no matter where I ended up going, and I did leave and went to another company and was very fortunate there as well, but there was always that nagging at me of that someone else determining what my ceiling was. And that, that to me was one of those moments that I remember very clearly. Did you realize at that point you wanted to own your own business or you just realized this wasn't, this is something I didn't want to do anymore? No, I definitely realized it at that point because that was back uh, at that point. I still owned on the side uh, my pizza franchise business, but I did so with a partner who managed it full time. So I definitely by then knew, but this crystallized, began to crystallize why it was that I needed to make the transition, right? It just, it was further proof, further validation that I needed to make the transition, but it was still very hard because I was making very good money. The pizza franchises were not making me enough money to leave the job I had. So I was caught in that, in that trap, which I think a lot of people are as to when, when can I financially afford to make that leap? And so that's, that's where I was at that point. Interesting. So let's talk about motivation and, and, what are those things that we think are motivators to becoming your own boss, to taking that leap and and taking on that quote unquote risk? But I'm going to come back to that whole concept. What are some of those things? And I, I think you and I are on the same page in that we've crystallized that uh, based on our learnings, our experience and others who have coached us and things that we have read that it's about control and freedom and that might be one and the same, but it's that freedom over how much you make, freedom of time, freedom of place, freedom of relationship, and freedom of purpose. Yeah. As I like to say, I want to be able to choose what I do, where I do it, with whom I do it, when I do it, and for what purpose. And that's you know my whatever my personal purpose right, is. Right. Right. Is that in line with how you look at yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Well? And I think uh, these these four freedoms came from Dan Sullivan's book, The Four Freedoms, and he talks a lot in his workshops about uh, one reason people become entrepreneurs is because they look for these particular freedoms, and you need to continue developing these freedoms over time. He's got another one, the, the freedom of money, 
uh, is what he puts in. So he calls it the freedom of time, freedom of money, relationships, and purpose are the four he uses. You know, that's one of the reasons why people take the risk to become entrepreneurs, but they also sometimes get themselves in such a situation where they don't have any of these freedoms, and they've, they've backed themselves into something that uh, wasn't quite what they thought it was going to be. I'll share a quick story about my experience. So Henry and I have similar backgrounds. We both had software backgrounds, working for software companies, doing very well. I sort of left the larger software companies and wanted to work for the for the startups. So I did a series of startups for about three years. I was working for one startup in California, commuting to California probably three to four days a week. And I was also working on the car wash. And the product that we were working on wasn't quite developed. People couldn't quite get their heads around what it is we were selling or why they should pay any money for it. And so I sort of spent a lot of time at the same time working on the other business. The CEO was probably one of the most insane individuals I think I've ever met. I've got probably a handful of people, and he ranks up there in one of the top two or three. He had a big meeting trying to get everybody re-motivated. And I said, you know what? Okay, I'll get motivated again, reconnect with what the company's trying to do, and put myself back into it. That was like on a Thursday or Friday. I was flying back to California on Monday and got a call as I was walking down the concourse at the airport that they no longer needed me. They were going to get rid of me. I just thought, kind of rededicated myself to this particular company and this job. I didn't know where it was going to go, but I was willing to put the time, energy, and effort into it. And then just getting a call out of the blue saying, well, we no longer need you. And so don't even bother getting on the flight. Mm-hmm. And I think that might have been the moment for me where I said, you know what, I'm not going to put myself in a situation like this again where this this illusion of working for somebody, you know, you trade a lot for that. And it, there you do trade that illusion of security, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But that was yeah. probably my epiphany moment. Yeah, that's that's a tremendous story, and I've and I've been in similar situations as well. And so, so for us, fortunately for us, we were fairly, relatively speaking, employable. In other words, you could have next week, the following week, and you probably did uh, call a headhunter or, or reach out to other people in your network and gotten another job, sure, right? Sure. So that wasn't. So we were fortunate in that way. However. It, it just, it, I'm sure it just brought it home for you as to how arbitrary, how uh, subjective and how at the whim of someone else you always are when you are working for someone else, regardless of how much value you've added, how much you've brought to the company. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you are just a, a part of it. And as soon as you're no longer needed, everybody is dispensable. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And yeah. Corporate America is very good about creating that family environment. The, you know, mm-hmm. we want you to be part of this. We, we give you a lot of perks, which we ought to talk about later on is well, what are some, yeah. what are some things you miss from mm-hmm. corporate America? Cause we, we all miss, miss some things about it. They, they do create this, this environment to make you think that, uh, you're part of a family. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and, and so I think that's all, like you said, it's all created so that we buy into that. And for a lot of people, that's great. If you're listening to this and none of what we're saying resonates, then you're not ready. That's, that's what this episode is about, is about helping you understand that those feelings, if any of this resonates with you, then you are where we were at that point. You're on that path. You are. And so what we're hoping to accomplish with this episode and everything that we do with Levante is to help you through that process. 
from the beginning of it, from right now, where it's an idea, where it's a thought, where it's a feeling, all the way through you've started your business and you want to grow it. That's that's what we're about. So if this resonates, then you that's where we were. That, that's where we were, the same place, having those same thoughts, trying to separate ourselves from what we know now very clearly is that myth of job security, because that's what we were indoctrinated to do, right? Our parents did, our society did, our schooling did, that what we were supposed to do was to get a good job. And for us, we were very fortunate. We had good careers. We were very employable. We got compensated very well. And yet, nonetheless, these things were eating at us, eating at us and motivating us to to move forward towards becoming our own boss. Right. It's like walking through the matrix, I think. <laughs> I don't, mm, good I don't point. know how yep. else to describe it. But once you get mm-hmm. on the other side of the matrix, then your eyes open and you see what things can be like on the other side. But when you're in the matrix, sometimes it's difficult for you to, to see what, what things could be. But if you were to describe the way you felt, so I, I for me, I, I think about what were the feelings I had while I was working for corporations what what were the feelings that you had? Because I, I think something you say people aren't ready, but sometimes people are going to have difficulty identifying what's wrong. I knew there was something wrong when I worked in a cor- at a in a corporate environment. There's something something that just didn't sit well. I didn't know what it was, but I just felt like something was wrong. Did you have any feelings like that, or how did you feel? Or yeah, no, and it's a great point because that's exactly what we're trying to do in this first section is is lay out kind of how we felt, and if you identify with this, then then what did we do next is what we'll get to in a moment. But yeah, I I felt I felt all kinds of things. I felt like I felt when I was young, uh, a kid at home in a not so great relationship with my father, and I felt controlled and oppressed, sick of the whole thing, right? But on the flip side, I, I greatly enjoyed in, in that in what I did in my career. You, you mentioned what did I miss the most. I, one of the things I always tell people that I miss the most about when we were in sales is two things. One is working with highly intelligent people right. and getting to be around those people and then challenging me to be better. And second was being on stage. I loved, and that's why we still do a lot of that, I loved getting in front of an audience and presenting a concept presenting a, a, a way of doing things and convincing that audience that that's what they needed. I got a charge out of that. I loved that. I still love that. Right. So, so those things I definitely miss. But everything else, the politics, the arbitrary control, the power games, the, you know, from one moment to the next, I might be part of the power group. The next moment, if somebody got fired, I was out. Uh, the, all of that was exhausting it it made me feel hopeless sometimes. It made me feel out of control, which is something that I do not like at all. Uh, and again, it, it I always was the type of person that I needed to be able to dream about a bigger future. And so I felt like there was this ceiling, this cap on what I could do. I felt like I was always having to be worried about how someone was going to judge me, whether they were going to value completely what I could bring to the table. Like I always had to prove and sell myself and that's just not who I am. So it it was just an all around feeling that would go anywhere from, you know, feeling depressed and uh, hopeless about it to thinking, well, you know, I do enjoy this. So there was a, it was a lot of confusion as well. I think that's how I felt. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it as well. I mean, there were a lot of things. There were the perks, obviously the travel, the trips you could take. So a lot of times the sales trips, 
were tremendous. Um, you got to go on some great vacations. But for me, there was that feeling like I can't figure out how to navigate the organization. I can't figure out how to get promoted up the organization. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't know how the politics worked. So I just threw myself into work. I said, well, if I could be the very best, then maybe I'll get promoted to manager. Maybe I'll get to run a region. But that never that never happened. And we and we were the best uh, at points in time. And yet there was still always that that feeling and, and not just a feeling, the reality that at any point in time uh, it was over. Someone could decide we don't need you anymore. Right. So and that was it. So that those are some of the things we felt, some of the questions we were asking ourselves at that point. Uh, I've said this various times in other episodes, but one of the ways that I've crystallized it when I chat with others and when I try to express it is I have come to look at it as you either are at a point where you have to create for yourself or you continue to be okay with creating for someone else. And by create, I mean everything that means create. It could be creating work, creating art, creating wealth, whatever it might be. I just wanted to be in a position where I failed or succeeded based on my own merits without anybody else arbitrarily deciding what my limits were and being accountable and responsible for where I went and how much I achieved. And I was willing to take both sides of that of that on, meaning the potential to fail as well as the potential and the hope to achieve great things. And there have been times when I have made less money as a business owner than I did at the height of my sales career, but I'm okay, more than okay with that. Mm-hmm. It's it's a completely different thing because I was in control. I had those freedoms that we talked about. So, so it was a completely different thing. Once you ended up on the other side of the matrix, what did you – so looking back at what it was like when you thought about being a business owner versus now being one. So now that you you realize the matrix is out there, what's, what's different? What's different for you? I'll, I'll share mine and then you can share yours. What's different about how I feel about the corporate environment? No, what's what's now now that you're a business owner, there, there's that. I think what what happens is there's that fear, right? There's that wall of mm. fear that everybody has uh, who has worked in corporate America to say, you know, I want to go do my own thing. So now that you've gone through that, what's different in the new world? What's different in the new world is it's a realization for the most part of everything that I that I wanted, which is, yes, I'm still accountable in certain regards. I'm accountable to my partners, to my family, to my employees, to uh, any other stakeholders in what I do. But I embrace and I really, truly enjoy the fact that it's on me, me and my team, me and my partners, as to how far I get. So only I set limitations for myself. And, and and that's a whole other conversation. There's lots of limitations that I set for myself that are self-imposed that I'm working at breaking down, but, but it's only me that sets or provides those limitations. I don't know if I'm answering your question, but that's... No, I, I think, yeah. Now. No, that's good. Okay. Good. Yeah. For me, I think it's more, I realize there's a big world out there of things that need to be done. There's not enough people to do them. You know, I'm always looking for a good electrician, a good graphics designer, a great web builder, a, a good attorney, a really good bookkeeper, an accountant. There's lots of things that need to be done, done well out there. The world's full of people needing things to be done. 
once you make that leap into becoming your own boss, you're going to realize there's a big world out there of goods and services that need to be exchanged at that level. And so if you're really a good accountant and you're working for a corporation, you might want to open up your own accounting practice. Or uh, I was just talking to my accountant today uh, about opening up a, a bookkeeping shop. And he said, you know, I've thought about that. I go, there's just there's a massive need for really competent bookkeepers. Go hire them from college. People that graduated from junior college with an accounting degree, go train them to uh, use, you know, QuickBooks or whatever the tools are that need to be used. You could charge two or three times what you're, what, uh, what they're making. You know, there's the world is full of opportunity. It's just, it's chocked full of opportunity. And once you get out of that corporate environment and you sit back and you look at it, you realize there's a tremendous amount of opportunity out there for people. The fear of making that leap goes away quite a bit. My, my neighbor up the street was working for a corporation and now builds apps. He builds uh, apps for iPhones. He told me that something I told him uh, made him decide to go ahead and quit his job. And yeah, I said, sometimes you, you just got to take the leap and do it. It's not going to feel 100%, but you know, you just have to just jump off the cliff and take the leap. So I was kind of proud of myself that I helped, yeah. helped another person. Yeah, I see where you were going with the question. I said, when you do get to the other side, what you find is that there is an abundance of opportunities uh, especially if you're, you know, you apply yourself and you surround yourself with the right people and you, you keep opening yourself up to those opportunities, they're there. Um, if we allow ourselves to, to get there, get through there and then to, to realize those opportunities. Right. And so that, I think that segues to this whole thing of risk and people will use that, I think, to an extent as an excuse. Now there's legitimate risk, right? Certainly there's when you quit your job and that's the way you pay your bills and the way you get your medical benefits and all of that good stuff and and you're going to take some of that money and you may tap a 401k to start a business that is real risk i get that if you lose everything it's it's going to be a problem for your family so i i get that but there are other ways a there are other ways to start a business b we certainly recommend we won't get into the details of it in this episode but we recommend that you typically have your own financial house in order first but I think the real risk, risk is used as an excuse to really say, I'm afraid to fail. What are your thoughts oh, on I that? Oh, I agree with that. I agree with that. And risk is in the eye of the beholder. And one of the questions I think you brought up is, is jobs, you know, we're all taking a risk, whether we work for a corporation or whether we work for ourselves. And I would contend that working for yourself is less risky than working for a corporation because you never know when you're going to get the call on Friday afternoon and you're going to be handed the bank box and say, go put your stuff in the box. Today's your last day. And you get escorted out the building. That's risky. Yep. And now, yep. you know, you've built a lifestyle based on that money that you were bringing in. As most people do, they tend to spend a little bit more than what they make. And so when you do lose that job, then you're in, you're in a world of hurt. I, I have to say, and this might come across a little harsh, but I think there's a bit of laziness as well that we tend to fall into a, a comfort zone because one of the myths certainly of becoming a business owner is that it's less work. I'm going to work less hours that I'm working now. It's going to be easier and that couldn't be farther from the truth, at least certainly for my experience. So I, I think that it takes it takes that that effort, that gumption, that desire, that energy to say, I'm going to go do this and it takes all, it's going to take all of my faculties and abilities because 
I no longer am going to come in Monday and someone else has thought of what widgets we're going to sell, what markets we're going to get in and out of, how we're going to sell them. I just typically will, will execute and maybe I have a little bit more responsibility. But for the most part, I'm executing on someone else's plan, right? Right. And if that plan fails, oh, so I'll get another job, right? Fortunately. But when it's on you, when you are the owner, all of that falls on you. And that's a tremendous responsibility. And I think that's where people then think, boy, that's, that's risky. Uh, but it's a different way, like you said, of looking at risk. I'm reading a book right now. It's the follow-up to Abundance, and it's called Bold uh, by Peter Diamandis and Stephen Kotler. And it's a quote uh, from Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos, and he says on this topic of risk, uh, quote, many people misperceive what good entrepreneurs do. Good entrepreneurs don't like risk. They seek to reduce risk. Starting a company is already risky, so you systematically eliminate risk in those early days. So in that last sentence, and that end quote, in that last sentence, he touches on what we just talked about, which is, yes, starting a business is risky, especially if you've put down a chunk of money, and that money is money you really can't afford to lose, and you've given up your job. Uh, all those things are risky. But the way that we look at it is we, we look to mitigate the real risks, and we've analyzed and looked at this, and we see this as a lot less riskier than working for someone else. That, that's really the shift that occurs. Absolutely. It just came to mind. Think about all the employees at Enron in Houston mm. who worked there and put most of their money in a 401k. Through the encouragement of the company, actually invested a lot of that money in Enron stock. When the rug was pulled out from underneath that company, most people ended up with nothing. And people who'd worked there for 20 or 30 years. I happened to have called them then back in my software days. I did days too. I did too. They really did think they were the smartest people in the room, by the way. Okay. Uh, at least that was my experience. That might have been after when when uh, when we had called on them, but uh, mm. in their late 80s, we uh, they were a customer of ours. Uh, so that also brings to mind a, a proud moment for myself. A couple of years ago, McKenna mentioned at the dinner, dinner table, McKenna is my daughter, she mentioned or was referring to one of her friend's fathers had just gotten laid off and the stress that that created and the angst and uh, he had been looking for a job for some period of time. By the time we had this conversation, they may, they were looking at having to relocate to another city because he wasn't able to find a job here. And she made a comment, uh, I'll paraphrase that, Dad, I'm, I'm so happy you own your own business because you can't get fired. And I thought, wow, she she gets that. Mm -hmm. She gets that. That's certainly I have my businesses could fail and we could still and might have to go look for a job. But she gets and she was reflecting to me that that's that's the big difference right there. Right. Right. Is that no one else is going to tell me that my day is over, that my job is over. I'll make that decision myself by mistakes that I might make or decisions that I don't make or chances that I don't take or things that I don't do, but it's on me. It's because of me, not because anybody else decides that. For and, me. and what was it like? I mean, if you think back when our parents were working, if they got laid off, it was oh devastating. Devastating, right? Absolutely devastating. Yeah. And now kids nowadays, I mean, even in our generation, to some extent, getting laid off wasn't that big of a deal. Um, we mm -hmm. sort of knew we were probably going to have a number of jobs, but the stigma of being laid off, even even for us kids, if one of somebody else's parents got laid off, it was like a death. You didn't talk yeah. about it. 
it, it reflected on them and on the family. So I, I, I think that's moving out. You know, I think it's kind of that whole stigma sort of moving out of the generations now. But, you know, I mean, we still feel it. I mean, it's embarrassing. You have to come home and tell your family you got laid off. You know, your wife, your kids don't really understand what that really means long term. You know, and and, a, and then whether you're a wife or a, or a husband or you know, a man or a woman providing for others, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty that that comes about. Yeah. Now, uh, a curious point is that both you and I did we transitioned to business ownership and we started a business while we still kept our day jobs. True. So that's that's um, one and, way that we did it. Yes. Yeah. And that that helped certainly for me. It helped to make that tra- that financial transition. Now. I very clearly always make this point to those of you who might be thinking about doing the same thing is one mistake I made was sharing that with everybody at work, including my boss. And so what I found, and maybe this was just unique to my experience, but what I found is that while people will nod their head and say, oh, that's great, really what a corporation wants is for you to at least pretend and make it seem like you are dedicated fully and completely to your job. They really don't want to hear that you've got something else going on. It created for me, I made that mistake. I was naive. And so I thought, oh, I'll share this and that they'll see this as something I'm doing that's good for me. But that's, they don't, that doesn't matter. What it created for me at that point in time was certainly some resentment and jealousy from others perhaps. And then the biggest thing and the most detrimental thing is my boss has looked at it as well. Henry doesn't really need or isn't really dedicated to this job because he's got that other thing going sure. on. Sure. Yeah. Did you did you experience any of that or did you kind of handle it differently? I did. I probably was a little bit more vocal when I was starting my business, but at that point I really didn't care. <laughs> so Okay. Yeah, so I was probably a bit more vocal about that. But I think there, it's interesting how many really good and talented people that we know in corporate America talk about wanting to own their own business but never really do it. You know, yeah. it's, it's that fear, well, pretty comfortable where I'm at. I'm getting paid pretty well. And again, if it's not – if it's something you enjoy doing and you feel like you're making good money and you're good with all that, then being a small business owner isn't necessarily the thing that you've got to do. We wouldn't really recommend mm-hmm. for you going into it, but – we're really trying to communicate more toward people who, like you said, that 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 pit in their stomach that says, That's right. "This isn't where I'm supposed to be. This isn't what I'm supposed to do. I need to start looking for something else." So, absolutely. If by this point in the conversation, if we've lost you, if this is not you, then you may not be ready. Or at least our examples of being ready don't resonate. So that that's why we're having this conversation. Because for you listening now, if you are in a corporate environment or in a job somewhere, if you if this doesn't resonate with you, this pain, this angst, this desire, this uh, all of these different things that we've expressed, these stories that we've shared, if none of that resonates, then you may not be ready. If it does resonate, if you can see yourself in some of those stories, if you have some of those same feelings, then you probably are like us and you need to start thinking about how do I plan for becoming my own boss? And that's what this is about. I think it's a great idea. Um, and, and, and again, that's what we, what we are hoping to do with Levante is to help people make that transition. And then once you get there, how do I grow from there? And our website, levantebusinessgroup.com, is dedicated to providing that type of information, those types of resources. So let's we've touched on some myths, uh, but I want to touch on a couple of one of them quickly. And I touched on the fact that 
Uh, people think, well, if I'm my own boss, then I don't have to work as hard. We know, and I think anybody uh, that we're speaking to probably gets it, that that's not the case. You actually will end up working harder than you ever have in your life. Would you agree with Absolutely that? Absolutely agreed, but it's a different type of work. So it sure for me, is. it's I'm doing it for myself, and it's something I enjoy doing, so I've been able to find some things that I really enjoy doing. I don't think about the number of hours I put in like I did when I was working for someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because as you've put it before eloquently, we, we don't longer look at, at it as trading work for pay, right? Right. Time for effort. Time for effort. That's not the way we look at it. Now we're creating for ourselves and for our families and for the people that matter to us. We're creating, we're building our business. And so I find that I have ongoing energy and enthusiasm. Sure, I hit I hit hard spots. I hit down times. I hit times when I'm exhausted. But by and large, I find the energy. The point is that it's harder work than you will have ever done before, but it's for you. It's for your own thing. And so the motivation is different. And so I would say if that motivates you, if you find that motivating, then that would be a good indicator that you're probably ready to start a small business. If you don't find that motivating, if you still feel the same way that you did when you worked in a corporate environment, as far as putting in long hours, then it's either the wrong business or it's the wrong time. Interesting statistic from the Small Business Administration that 67% or the, the majority of businesses are successful after four years. Only 33% fail. So there's also this somewhat of a myth that businesses mostly fail. Now, certainly there are segments like the restaurant segment, food business that we have been in and that we still are in that has a higher failure rate. But it's simply not true that most businesses fail. Now, certainly there's still a good percentage to do, but it ties back to the point you had made. There are opportunities out there. There are plenty of ways through which you can deliver value that others will pay you for. It's just a matter of finding those ideas, finding where your skill sets match those, and then having a plan to move forward and through that barrier of perceived risk and fear. I think that's what it takes. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Well, we probably ought to wrap up this episode. I think we've got a lot more information probably to do a part two. Yes, we definitely will, because I want to get into in the subsequent episode on this on what are some of the characteristics that we think make up a good potential entrepreneur or business owner. We are going to get into in a subsequent episode, what do we see as the difference between a business owner and an entrepreneur? We tend to use those terms interchangeably, but we do think there really is a difference there. So we'll explore that topic. Good. Uh, the takeaway, the big takeaway from this episode, David, to me is what I want you to ask yourself to the listener. If this resonated with you, if you've been asking yourself the same questions if it's been tearing you up that you want to be a business owner, but but you also have asked yourself the reality check questions. What? Why is that? It's not because I think it's going to be easier. It's not because I think I'm going to be accountable to nobody because while you do gain all of these freedoms, you're still accountable. You're accountable not just to yourself, but like I said, to your partners, to your family, to your employees. So there's still a lot of responsibility, but it's about now it's on me and you have to be willing to to have the courage to take that on, to have the courage to fight through the fear and the quote-unquote risk. And it's about realizing that your corporate job is not safe. Now, 
Again, if you were fortunate like David and I were and you were very employable, that might be okay for you. I do have this one belief. You are only ready to make this transition when you're ready. I know that sounds simplistic and simple, but the point is nobody can pull you there. Nobody can even motivate you to get there. You have to be ready for it yourself. Yeah, absolutely agreed. And if this excites you, if you're getting the feeling like this excites you when you think about it, then that might say you're ready as well. Absolutely. Right. So you can find uh, links to all of the resources we've mentioned, the books. I've mentioned a couple of books. All of that is on our show notes page on our website at levantebusinessgroup.com. So go there for all of that and additional resources that you'll find there. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the How of Business podcast. If you haven't already, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever you may be listening. And always, we greatly appreciate your ratings and review uh, or reviews. And we look forward to having you join us on the next episode of The How of Business. Thank you for listening to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez. We hope you found practical ideas to help you start, manage, and grow your business. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a comment on iTunes and go by levantebusinessgroup.com and learn more about Levante's resources to help you with your small business. Until next time, thanks for listening and go live your dream.